Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds brought to you by Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Here on Sketch Nerds, we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today we're going to be discussing sketches from Chappelle's show and Good Neighbor Stuff. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Seth Alcorn and Julian Morgan. I'm Andy Weld, and today we are happy to welcome back as a guest, Sean Robinson. Sean, how are you? Oh, I am doing excellent. Now, Sean, in the intermittent days, hours, however long it's been since we last recorded uh, a podcast, I've looked at your Instagram and I've found that it is full of uh, full of baked goods. So can you t- tell us about um, about your favorite baked good or maybe the funniest thing about baking? I mean, the funniest thing about baking is that I prefer to, well, it's not funny that I like to do it alone, but I will blast music and I will dance in my kitchen, and I will sing so loud, which makes it really awkward if I'm on a deadline and I'm doing it late at night. But there you go. I think the most interesting things that I've made are things with way too many words to it. So, like, I won a recent citywide baking competition. For with, lawyers. For lawyers. The Washington Lawyers Committee, Cooking for Kids, <laughs> Bake Off. Um, and it was an eggnog cheesecake with a ginger snap cookie crumb crust and a mixed berry glaze. Now, I would eat that. I just want uh, want the record to show. <laughs> Yeah, everything you just described, it kind of seems like, like you just, it just seems like, I don't know, this is exactly what Julia Roberts does. I don't know why. Maybe it's Eat, Pray, Love. I don't know why it is, but it I think that like that's a great compliment. Thank Julia you, Julia Child. Or Julia, yeah. Julia, no, Julia Roberts. The actress? Yeah. Yeah. Does she, does she cook? I don't know. She well, does in Mystic Pizza. Like, well, and she was in Eat, Pray, Love, and it just sounds like, I don't know. It's, it just, it's the new version of Julia and Julia. <laughs> yeah. It's Julia, Julia. Julia. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, today uh, our first sketch is brought to us by Seth. Seth, what have you got for us? Well, I've got Tron Carter's Law and Order. From the Chappelle Show, uh, this was uh, season two, episode five. It was uh, interstitial. It was broken up over the course of the episode, and uh, it's a, a scathing look at our criminal justice system. Um, but why don't we why don't we throw it to a clip? Oh man, we gotta be careful with this. We don't want to embarrass somebody like me in front of my family, my community. I tell you what, I'll come in and turn myself in around uh, Thursday, okay? Is one o'clock good for you? Oh, no, that's no good for me. I got some trim coming at 12. I turn myself in, say, between 2 and 6. Thank you so very much for your help. And again, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Oh, no problem. One love. Uh, Yeah, I I love you too. All right, Sus, I I don't think we've done enough, um, you know, sketches with really heavy content. So is is why did you bring this sketch to us? Well, I wanted to bring it last week when we did sketches that were all about race relations. But uh, unfortunately, we only review two sketches at a time, so we had to bump it. Uh, No, this is uh, perhaps my favorite sketch from The Chappelle Show. Uh, There are others, I will say, that make me laugh more that are more joke-heavy. But in terms of execution, I think the satire in this is top-notch. 
I, I agree. I, I think this is maybe the sketch from Chappelle's show, looking back at it, that's aged the best, that or that is still yeah. incredibly relevant. Absolutely. What makes it so insightful? Well, unfortunately, things have not changed that much. I, I think what, uh, in light of not exactly the Black Lives Matter movement, but in light of a lot of stories that have been coming uh, out about uh, police tactics, especially SWAT tactics and that kind of thing, the the opening scene where they uh, essentially enter the uh, the banker's home with a flashbang grenade and end up uh, shooting the dog is... It was my favorite, my favorite <laughs> part. It's oh, so immediate. And he's like, shut that fucking dog up and fucking shoots it. Yeah, it's, so it's Bill Burr too doing yeah, that. Yeah, it's Bill Burr. Yeah, yeah. Recognize like Bill Burr, who apparently hasn't aged since. Yeah, right. The right. The same There's just some people the that don't. Fifteen years. Yeah, uh, but it's it's just these these issues are still the same. Uh, they still confront us, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's aged incredibly well. Again, rather unfortunately. I I think you're right, and before we get back into that, because yeah. I I do think there's more to be said on that, but we t- touched on the dog. Let's yeah. talk about the dog real quick. <laughs> Julian, as a comedian, the choice to kill a dog is a big choice. It is generally a sign for us in movies that a character is like a bad guy. And obviously the police are bad guys in this scene. The dog dies, but it's very rarely, usually animals find a way of surviving because we all are immediately attached to animals. But this dog getting shot in the face is yeah. really funny. I know. Why is it funny? There, there seems to be that also that unwritten rule that you don't kill dogs or children. And, uh, you know, just like in John life. Wick, I guess. Unless, yeah. <laughs> or John Gacy. Okay. Sean will not be coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Did get, oh, yeah, never mind. No, I'm not, no. We're not, we're not going no, there. Talk okay. about the dog. <laughs> uh, it, it, first of all, it just comes out of nowhere, and it, 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 it just sets up sort of the rest of the sketch. But, like, what what it does like the way the way it's set up is like you know the, the it's, it's a couple they're about to have sex or whatever and it seems seems like really intimate and it seems like everything's you know they're all both happy and stuff like that obviously they bust in I didn't realize it was a flash grenade at first I thought it was just a grenade right and it lands next to the dog dog's fine but then <laughs> just like shut that fucking dog up is <laughs> the dog's not fucking barking. Like, like so just 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 having that, just like, it's so quick and so immediate that it's like, it's funny. Just We don't have, almost don't have time to get attached to the dog. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. One of the things that stood out to me is the framing of the dog is very odd. From the get-go, I remember I started watching the sketch and I didn't remember it at first. And I thought, why is the dog taking up 60% of the screen right now and the people yeah. are in the back? The dog is sitting, staring at someone off on the side, like at a handler or something, while this is happening. And and, and then the dog gets shot in the face. Um, Even when it, the dog's laying on the bed, it takes up the entire bed. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. dominating the scene, yeah. which just almost foreshadows its role to play. <laughs> um, and now, let, you know, kind of back into the, into the meat of the sketch. Sean, as a writer, what makes the law and order format uh, for this sketch, an effective one. Well, one is that it's familiar. Just about everyone, if they haven't seen Law and Order, they've heard someone refer to Law and Order. They know the sound that no one has quite the name for. That's the chunk chunk, the badunk, whatever. And it's the fact that it's an effective device to to break up this sketch into the bits and pieces over the course of the episode. It would be too cheesy to have. And now back to the stories of Tron Carter. It's just chunk chunk, and you know you're right back into this world. Absolutely. One one thing too that that. 
so the Chappelle show and I talked about this before is that what it does is like they um so they they give a for Chappelle they give a character a perspective and they put him in situations where we can see that mm-hmm. that that perspective played out here it's different we don't it's not norm it's not Tron's normal perspective per se like he's just like yeah he's just like you know like ah, I got money I got bitches and shit like that but like it's speaking to a larger context which is not normally what they do which I thought was super interesting. Definitely. I, I think it was interesting to see, um, to think about how in the context of the show, as as Seth noted, it was interstitial. It was mm-hmm. spread throughout. And, and and you make a good point, Sean, that it kind of immediately pulls you back in when you hear the dun-dun uh, that gets you back. Seth, at what point in this sketch do you get a hint of what the game is? And at what point in the sketch do you re- have like a full-blown sense of what the game is? I think it's honestly the next segment where both of those things happen, uh, where the police sergeant calls Tron Carter and explains to him that they have this very embarrassing thing that they have to do, which is to arrest him for being a cocaine dealer. And Tron just proceeds to essentially walk all over the dude. Uh, he sets the pace. He determines how everything is going and that that's the point where you go okay so here's what we're doing uh we are now treating uh blue collar crime as though it were white collar crime and vice versa that's my question though would be because i think we don't have the full episode in front of us mm-hmm. Chappelle usually would introduce his sketches and that was what i thought was one of the weak, probably controversial weaker points of the show because he would give you the punchline basically before the sketch even started and I think it's, since I don't remember offhand, it's very possible that he would have given an introduction saying, wouldn't it be funny if I just switched these roles? Um, so I don't know if that's the case. It's, I think it's 50-50 that it would have happened, in which case it's like you'd, you'd have known right away. Yeah. But that, that's, that's for the worse. Yeah, you don't get the shock so. of, you don't know why the dog's getting shot at the beginning and all of a sudden you're realizing, oh, it's because we're treating this upper class white guy like we know that the police treat black people of low income. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to say that he, he didn't do that for the sketch. I forget the title of the sketch that Julian chose, but it's the one with the black, white supremacist. Mm-hmm. He leaned heavily on this is, this is race relations, but he didn't actually say what it was. And then we all saw it and it was great. But yeah, he, he did tend to go maybe a little bit too far in his introductions. I think there, there have been a couple of sketch shows that mm. kind of have that recurring introductory yeah. thing. Key and um, Peele. Key and Peele. It's Brian Laurie to... did it. Yeah. Um, it's one thing to have a little bit of sketch comedy, not yeah. sketch comedy, sorry, stand-up comedy between the sketches. Yeah. But you don't want to spoil your own work. Right. And it was yeah. even worse when it was the Lost episodes and you didn't even have Chappelle doing it. You right. had Charlie yes. Murphy and, um, crap, I don't remember his other name. I know everyone else knows his name. But like they just, Darnell, they didn't right. even, they yeah. made no effort to really even, they were just like, oh man, this is so funny and premise and just like yeah. the, the joke and gave well, it away. And even Chappelle even talked about it in, in, in another episode where he's just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I see an audience and I immediately want to start telling jokes mm-hmm. and then I also have to throw it to the next sketch. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like forget that I, like I, that, that I'm actually doing a sketch show. It's like, I'm just like kind of telling jokes as a standup. So I think we now see that as a, as, as a format for sketch shows that people have kind of tried to do their own thing with like Key and Peele. They had their, remember Key and Peele last season, they had them riding in a car, not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. That was super weird. Kolschow had him doing stand up too, yeah. and then and then and then later seasons just had them like talking to people, uh, guests and stuff like that. So like it, you know, it just 
it it it, it just it's just a matter of Chappelle kind of just forgetting that he's on an actual TV show. He's just like I see an audience and I want to perform. Right, but yeah. back to what you had said and what we had talked about in a different podcast was it's very clear who the audience is at this point. It's, mm-hmm. it's very geared towards the black audience. And I think there were some episodes, and I don't know if it was Chappelle or if it was Charlie Murphy, go into the audience to talk about them, get their reactions about the sketches. Mm-hmm. It's very geared as a catharsis for them, saying these are race relations issues that you can relate to or I'm cranking the dials on something you've experienced in a way that can give you some release of you're not going to get this relief in the real world, so I'm giving it to you right now. And I remember actually being horrified at some of the responses because you got some very prejudicial responses of this isn't about catharsis. This is about basically getting to take the white man down a peg or two. But in a way that didn't sound quite so therapeutic, it was the kind of – it had a very uncomfortable helter-skelter feel to it. From the audience? From the audience. Mm -hmm. It was a later episode when he was actually polling audience members, and it was kind of a weird, I think they're missing the point. Mm. From the third season. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now – Seth, do you need both sides of this sketch, or would it work if we just saw the Tron Carter? Back? I think you absolutely need both sides of this sketch. I, I think that uh, I, I will. I will say this because honestly, the white collar crime part of it isn't as funny, generally speaking. Uh, Tron Carter's uh, got a lot more jokes, but the quick take to a jury of all people of color. Uh, would be impossible without that. And I think that is perhaps maybe the strongest joke in that sketch. Just to highlight the point that I'm no lawyer, but I've seen a number of fictional takes on jury selection process. But the point is, is like there's, you know, example after example of a person of color on trial for a crime and the jury consists of entirely or mostly white folks. So that was, uh, it was a really, really great joke. When I was um, sitting and watching this sketch and thinking about the questions I was going to ask you all before uh, the episode airs, as I do, uh, I honestly sat and had trouble thinking of questions because I thought this sketch worked so well. Yeah. And it was so, it's so Mm -hmm. self-contained and the beats escalate nicely. One thing it does do, oh, just thought of this now. It doesn't follow a rule of threes thing. I think there are maybe five bits to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Sean, what I, you... I'm sorry. How many? How many bits, Andy? There's seven. There, there's there's so many bits. How many? Yeah. Which, how how many? It's a plethora of bits. I, I, it, 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 in terms of beats, like beats were like the where 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 we have a, a, def, a, a, a defining instance that sets up the next joke. I counted seven. So like the cop breaks in on him and the wife kills the dog. And um, I, well, Isaiah, I didn't see that. Sorry, Isaiah's showing us something, and I don't, didn't see Isaiah's it. Isaiah's our producer. Was, I've done something, and uh, I'm not sure what it is. I was fifth. I was, yeah, yeah. One, two, yeah. three, four, five. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I plead the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> I know better than to bang this table and horrify from the sketch. There's so many bits you could choose from. Yeah, how many would you pick? Okay. Yeah. So th- there's a ton of bits. Like there's, yeah. there's there's jokes between beats, but like the beats <laughs> yeah. that set up the next that yeah. that that heighten it mm-hmm. and set up the next joke. I counted seven. Um. So mm-hmm. they, they so they break in on the white guy's wife. Him and his wife kill mm-hmm. the dog, mm-hmm. and then we see we we see um, uh, Tron and Tron is um the 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 beat for that is like we don't want to embarrass someone like me in front of my family or community. Yeah. And then the next one is um. The interrogation room, white guy's already considered guilty. He gets a cigarette burn on uh, during interrogation, and that goes to Tron. I'll turn myself in whenever I want. Mm-hmm. 
And then Tron says, I'll turn myself in wherever I fucking want. And then the next B is um, he sets his own, uh, 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 and the white guy is not allowed to talk during trial. And he, he's given the max sentence, whereas Tron is, he sets his own terms with, with, his, with the authorities. And then also he's, uh, he doesn't have to answer any questions. And it's given the minimal sentence. And it's not even a trial. He's testifying before a Senate committee. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, before a Senate committee. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there, there, there's like, yeah. So I, that, that, I count seven. But like, and there's a ton of beats in between that that yeah. like make it fun. Because he's keeping the cops waiting for his version of the interrogation. So that's like yeah, several yeah. little mini beats. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that's great about Chappelle's show is that like they always just front load the humor. Like just, just put as many jokes in as possible. Whereas like when we talked about um, dinner discussion, the, the real joke was them sort of, you know, stabbing themselves or like, uh, you know, all that. Like, like, yeah, stabbing themselves or like, you know, those beats. That that's where the joke was, not in between. In between was like the them saying, "Well, careful, don't." Uh, yeah, right. And that's certainly a strength of this sketch and uh, and others. I was just going to say, dinner discussion was in our last episode. Please download it at iTunes. Yes, iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast. Shameless self promotion. You can uh, you can listen to uh, this discussion as well. It's a really good one. Mm. Hey guys, this podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. The next sketch we're going to be discussing today is My Mom's a Milf from Good Neighbor Stuff. Good Neighbor Stuff was an LA-based sketch comedy group uh, that... Included Nick Rutherford, Kyle Mooney, Beck Bennett, and Dave McCary. Beck Bennett and Kyle Mooney were hired to be actors and writers on SNL. Uh, Dave McCary was hired to be a director on SNL. And Nick Rutherford did not get a job on Saturday Night Live when the rest of them did. Aww. He did He did, He did. did eventually. Though. He did eventually, yeah. right. Yeah. But initially, he did not get a job. Which For one year, and then he was... Still, that would have been a rough year when yeah. all of your friends. He talked about it actually in a, on a podcast where he's like, "We had plans to do things. We were getting." Oh, okay, sorry. I'm re- I've got that article <laughs> right there. That's what I'm pulling this information from. Um, uh, this sketch is uh, Beck Bennett and Kyle Mooney sitting on benches. They're probably, I guess, high school aged kids. Yeah, they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Kyle Mooney begins the sketch by asking uh, Beck Bennett, or by telling Beck Bennett that his mother is a MILF, a mom I'd like to F, as they say Mm -hmm. in the sketch. And it devolves from there. Here's a clip. Like in the morning before school, she'll give me a kiss, or like sometimes before I go to bed, she'll give me a kiss, or like leave a note, like in my lunch, it says, like, hope. School's really good, and I can't wait for you to get home. Love, Mom. X-X-O-O. Dude, all moms are like that. Yeah, but dude. What? But it's definitely like she's into it. Unlike a lot of the other sketches we've been discussing lately, this one is just pure, dumb, stupid, funny. <laughs> Which Thank I really God. enjoyed. I mean, I, I there the end, you know, there's absolutely a place and a need for smart, intelligent humor, but there is also a need for stuff that you can turn your brain off and just go, 
this is really silly and I really like this. And that's one of the reasons I like this sketch, I think, because it makes me laugh because of how objectively silly it is. Yeah, whoever keeps bringing those fucking hardcore, like, tough sketches, fuck that guy. Yes, all of them. Julian, I'd say something about the pot and the kettle, but I think that'd be racist, and I don't want to go into that. We've had long discussions about that. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of hardcore, make sure safe search is turned on when you go looking for this sketch. Yes, that's Yo, very true. Oh boy. Uh, so one of the things that uh, I think sets up the characterization of this sketch immediately, Seth, is the way that both uh, Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett speak with this it's almost this like southern california affect that they do in a lot of their sketches what about that specific choice adds to this sketch it uh it puts them uh, it's actually a little weird because for me it put them in a slightly older era i would have located them in the the, sort of the slacker 90s right if i didn't know that it was more recent um it also suggests to me uh that they're Stoners, no matter how much my wife insists that stoners don't actually sound like that when I do that voice. (laughs) It's Um, convenient shorthand. It it is convenient shorthanded. I've explained that to her, but she gets really annoyed, probably because I don't actually smoke pot. So anyway, so, but. Nerd. To her knowledge. (laughs) Yep. Um, Narc. I'm not a narc. I haven't told that's anybody. What a, that's what a narc would say. <laughs> You've just told everybody you don't smoke pot, we, you narc. But I didn't. <laughs> I mean, look, there's a wire right there. <laughs> yes, this is being recorded. Thank you. There's wires um, everywhere. Uh, but, you know, it's it's like these are these are two kids. They don't have a whole lot of responsibility. Uh, they're the kind of kids who can get into a, a minutes-long discussion about um, whose mom is a MILF. And so on and so forth. <laughs> and, and, and Sean, as the sketch goes on, we get to the point where essentially Beck Bennett's brain starts to break. In th- like in this in the context of because he said his mom's a milf, right? Uh, his language starts to devolve in a really funny, interesting way. He says "touchling." Uh, he he stops. His grammar doesn't quite make sense. When you're writing something where a a character is having trouble speaking, how do you find the right mix of broken language to communicate that something is wrong while it is still intelligible and adding to the character? I think you have to act it out and try and figure out what it is that you just said and find a way to put it on paper. I mean, it's the problem of trying to communicate onomatopoeias and just sound effects into written language. But part of it can also just be that... You can't write it down, and you just say you can. You communicate a mood. You're trying to say, okay, Beck, you are trying to increase the momentum of this sketch by sounding more, more broy, more stupid, and find ways to mess with words that start off as a coherent idea but seem to be falling apart. The absurdism is increasing to the point where you are, in fact, going to have a stroke. And I want you to create all the language that goes from being a normal person to that. And not making clear that that's what's happening on the way. And I think there's, there's like a lot of avenues you can do that, whether that's a predetermined set of language of, I want you to hit these beats so that it sounds kind of weird, or just kind of run with it and we'll see what works. It's kind of like we've been talking about Tim and Eric's price war um, sketch a while ago and how there are words like premium, more like creamulum. And part of it is the joke that creamulum is a weird word, but also the word that appears on the screen, screen is creamium, not creamulum. So it's that additional disconnect of it seems like he's not even following the words that he's he put on the screen after the fact he had already said it. 
So it's that additional just, I think you're just playing with it. How can you take real words and make them sound understandable, but clearly still not the word you're saying? Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, it's like I feel like he leans more into the um, Southern California bro-y uh, accent or his style, whatever, as he's like devolving, as his brain is sort of devolving. And then like, but, and then like, so like, 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 how do you like write that? Like, and Beck Bennett does a great job of it. Like his, like his, his eye starts to kind of slump a little bit and he starts like, you know, it, 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 he's clearly having a stroke. Right. Or, but like, 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 like how do you write that? And I, I, I really think they just came up with the idea. They, they, they knew the beats of it and they just sort of worked it out with each other. And maybe they wrote like a regular sketch as if none of that were happening at first. And he said, from this point on, you're going to start making these lines wrong. Yeah, I actually want to say that the I think they needed a better ending. Yeah, the, I agree. Yeah. It's it, it's a bit of an easy way out. I'm not even necessarily. It, it's it's just that the um, the physicality that he uses at the very end, as well as the his his what he's doing vocally is uncomfortably close to making fun of disabled folks. And yeah, I think there was yeah. a way to get out of it without doing that. I don't, by the way, I just want to make it clear. I don't think that's what the intention is. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that it looks a lot. It's a lack of awareness. That kind of that yeah. Carlos Mencia thing that he <laughs> used to do. Uh, kind of like that physicality. It's, it starts to look like that a little yeah. bit, which is obviously... Uh, problematic. Yeah. Carlos uh, Mencia reference. Yeah. It would right? have been a better ending though. Like, does he come out of it? Does he not go there at all? Like, where does it go? Well, I think he could have done that physicality without doing that motion, basically, yeah. without doing mm -hmm. those motions and mm -hmm. still could have just kind of just maybe just gone rigid. The whole, just the head over. Rigid. I think or, like, maybe went, went to like sort of seizuring. Of yeah. Like yeah. he started seizuring a little yeah. bit like that. That, I think that would have been because like, if you're just watching it, you don't really, I mean, like it's, it, it's kind of hard to, to get that. He's just, hey, his brain broke. Right. Just based on his conversation, because he he totally believes in what he's saying. So like, if his brain broke, then like, you know, like again, like how do you write that shit? So like, me, I probably would have did it. He, like he has a seizure, mm -hmm. or you can have him do like, um, yeah, fuck, I don't know. I, I just have him. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I was gonna say like the the Pythons wrote that. There's a, the whole the new brain sketch where they're walking around. New brain, stapling machine, Mrs. World. That whole thing. Well, what's interesting yeah. is that like our objection is to the fact that there are emotions that are below the neck. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the entire sketch up to that point is just of their heads. It yeah. doesn't pull out until that moment that we're now that's objecting to it. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that's weird. Like, he could he could have slid off his seat. He could have, like... His eyes could have started bleeding. Opened his mouth and 60 ecstasy tabs fall out or something like that. I don't it's know. like smoke come out of his ears. Like, seems like, like, like anything like Good Burger almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like 60 it. would be a lot of ecstasies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many ecstasies have you taken today? Well, like, you know, two Mitsubishi is, we know is too many. Right. There's an earlier moment in the sketch where I think, I hesitate to call it a smart moment. Yeah. But it, it's this little <laughs> moment where the sketch goes from being like super stupid to like, oh, there's they're actually going to do something a little bit more here. When um, Beck Bennett's character is talking about his mother and says, "Dude, she she totally gives me signs," and then he lists yeah, okay. like normal mom behavior <laughs> mm -hmm. that he's taking to see as like his mother having a romantic interest in him. His his expressions at that point are honestly the the best. Just that really really heavily leaning into oh you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm yeah, talking right. about <laughs> yeah. and 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 Kyle Mooney just. 
totally objecting to that. And and it's funny because it's Kyle Mooney playing against type a bit because yeah. he is very rarely the straight man, whether it's in other good neighbor stuff sketches. Um, famously, I think my roommate's is my roommate gay mm-hmm. is oh, one yeah. of their more yeah, famous yeah, yeah. ones. Um, but even on their like very heavy handed sitcom parodies that they do on SNL from time to time, he's what always kind of the oddball character. And so it is interesting to see kind of an early Kyle Mooney where he's playing a much straighter character. Yeah. yeah. When he starts talking about when when Kyle starts objecting and then he starts and then and then um Beck is like, yo, dude, your sister though, she's like super hot though. Like I, I wish there was like a beat between that where like it's like we see like basically we, we build out his perspective a little bit. Um because like the mom, the sister is it, it tracks well, but like I would love to see it a third one where we kind of solidified it. I mean, like it's it's not not necessarily rule of threes. But like we just kind of solidify his perspective a little bit. But it it really is two beats now that you point it. it it's yeah. two kind of, or at least of his perspective, they're the two beats. There's my mom's a milf, and then your sister's hot. Silf. And then we get to the point where it's uh kind of falling apart. But there isn't another thing that's a part of Kyle uh, of Beck Bennett's perspective. Do you think that it would have made the sketch better if we saw the mom or she came out and maybe as, as, as Beck is falling in the chair, the mom comes out and he like, maybe like nestles his head in her breasts or something like that. Is, does that, would that have added anything to the sketch? No, I don't think or so. Would that have made, a we- made it weird? No, Should I, I not have said that? No, well, no, uh, no. So what would have made it weirder is just that, like, because because we find out that Kyle's sister is, like, a, like a nine-year-old. Nine-year-old, right. Yeah. So, yeah. like, we, we already know that his perspective is, like, we, like his, his, his perspective is skewed. But, like, um, just, like, being attracted to your mom is, like, crazy, okay? And then we have a second one that's, like, on track with that, heightens a little bit. And then being attracted to your little sister is, like, I feel like that, like, just kind of being attracted to your mom and being attracted to someone's little sister, a nine-year-old sister, is like it goes up, it shoots up too fast. Like we need, we need one that's in the middle, that's like, you know, that heightens just a little bit more. I think it depends on where do you want to go with the sister. Like, is the sister is pointing out the sister out of a, um, like, it also like, yeah, she is also hot, or is it a defensive? I don't want to talk about my mom anymore. Your sister, and I think whatever the second beat between them can be can really help define. What the direction is? Is it defense? Is it trying to deflect to a different person? Just well, let's talk about anybody else. Or we're talking about hot people. Or it could be like a different ending. Is maybe the, instead of the mother running in and nuzzling, it turns out like the father runs in, checks in on Beck Bennett. Beck Bennett's fine. Father leaves. Dude, your dad's hot. No, yeah, that would have been something. That, yeah. I a- I honestly I honestly think the sister is just to show us like how skewed Bennett's character's perspective is at yeah. that point because it does it certainly doesn't seem like he's being defensive it's it's like he wants he he wants uh kyle mooney to be complicit in this, this oddity yeah. that he has it's a horrible uh, situation to be complicit in it, well yeah i was <laughs> sure, thinking yeah. about um the, as a lawyer as a lawyer uh i was thinking about the question though like do we bring in the mom and i think the answer is no not only because it's not a great joke but there's nothing for a woman to do at that point in that sketch except be objectified just so, stifler's mom stuff it's been oh, yeah. done yeah. yeah true so it's like, yeah, okay, we've established that the mom is hot. And the joke is either that, yes, the mom is super hot or the mom is not hot. And it's the same joke and it's not a good one. So then I'll stop asking questions that our, our producer gives us. 
Uh, no, I, <laughs> no, it was, I, it was a good part of the conversation. Like we, uh, yeah, exactly. I think, I think it was. A, I think it was a question that uh, was worth discussing. It needed to be asked. All right, it's time for uh, us to come up with a rating system for the sketches that we talked about today. Uh, Seth, why don't you come up with today's rating system? I think there's only one way to do this, and I think it's amendments. How many amendments out of 10 would you give these sketches? Ah, amendments. And yeah. why, why did you pick amendments for this? Uh, because that is one of the, like, sort of just joke funny bits at the end of Tron Carter is his uh, his gospel performance of Taking the Fifth. Yes, it's <laughs> just, it's hilarious. Sean, let's go to you first on this one as okay. a lawyer. No, no. What amendments would you give Tron Carter's Law and Order? This is tricky because I know there are more than 10 amendments, and I have amendments that are more important than the later ones. Um, I would give it— you can, I mean, you can go out of 27, I guess, I if mean, you yeah, want. I, I know. I just I was keeping it to the Bill of Rights. Uh, no, it's the most important the original, original cast characters. Um, I would give it 10 out of 10 uh, Bill of Rights amendments. I'd give it the whole Federalist Papers. Wow. <laughs> Deep cut. Julian, how many amendments would you give this sketch? I would not give it any amendments because it's my right to not have to answer that fucking question. All right. You realize that the amendments are what give you that right. It's the Fifth Amendment. I'd like to take this time no. to say that Julian is not my client. <laughs> but I still advise him to shut up. Uh, I, I, I would give this uh, nine out of ten amendments. If only because I don't think we need the one about quartering soldiers. Seth? I'm also going to give it nine out of ten amendments. I'm not going to say the one I'm leaving out, but I'm pretty sure if you've been listening to this thing at all, you can guess which one it is. It's probably the Slavery? Fifth. <laughs> no. It's not the fifth. No. <laughs> no that's it's the three-fifths <laughs> amendment. Yes, that's not, sadly, that's not even an that's amendment. That amendment. was that's important the enough to go it's in the yeah, between the amendments, between the lines. All right, and for, <laughs> uh, and for <laughs> my mom's a MILF, cover, how many amendments would we give this sketch? Julian, how many amendments would you give my mom's a MILF? Um, I just, I don't know because, like, it's funny. I just, I just, I, I, I. I think it's hilarious and i just the act was really good but like just the ending while well, the ending was like like ah, fuck i don't know man i give it uh the second amendment because i hate it the most no wait are there worse amendments than oh that? oh wait okay know. since julian's already broken the seal on that one yes i definitely let the second out of mine <laughs> what you mean by worse in terms of just content one. or the fact that they don't get used wait like like there like was one, the one that prohibited alcohol oh well yo, fuck that obviously <laughs> i'm drinking right was now which amendment was that? That was a 20th, 20th amendment? Yeah. Um, or is it the 19th? No, 19th, I think 17th? is. Really? I thought 19th, 17th or 18th. Women's right 19th, no. So. I thought 17th. 16th is, is the direct election tax. of senators. Right. 17th is income tax. 17th is income tax. 18. Like 19 is uh, women get to vote. I think 18 is prohibition. Oh, I thought, I thought uh, prohibition came after women's right to vote. I believe it did. Well, have, want, you'll have yeah. to look that up later. So I just want to make sure. Podcast, not, yeah, on our new podcast, Amendment One lawyer talk. and people who aren't lawyers talk about the Constitution. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm not sending my people back a little bit. So, like, as long as I'm not doing that, Second Amendment. Second Amendment. All right. Uh, 18th. 18th? 18th. Seth, what amendment would you give this one? Did you just go? I don't remember. I, I didn't. <laughs> But uh, I am, uh, I'm going to give this one the 10th. 
the tenth. I'm going to give it the tenth. All right, which is the powers the not given explicitly in the Constitution the will states. be given yes, to the states. That is that is absolutely correct. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would give this. Uh, I'm just going to take it as an out of ten scale for this. I'm going to give it eight out of ten amendments. Uh, and uh, Sean, what amendments would you give? Uh, my mom's a milf. Um, well, you know enough about your mom. Let's talk about the sketch. Um, I think both in terms of my judgment <laughs> of its quality and uh, just, just to give you an edit, you an added little. I would give it three out of ten amendments because I was not totally crazy. I, I love guilty pleasure sketches, but this one was a little too dumb even for me, and even the ending didn't stick it. Um, so I'm well, gonna I don't care for your opinion. So we're gonna we're gonna quarter this sketch in your house and keep it away from mine. Nice. That was a third amendment joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our returning guest, Sean Robinson, who you can find on Instagram at Arbitrary and Delicious. Listeners, please like, share, and subscribe. If you have a sketch you are interested in us breaking down, please send it to us. We'd love to do that. You can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For Sean Robinson, Julian Morgan, and Seth Alcorn, I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds Podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit 